as we continue our series in Nehemiah, Nehemiah, Rise Up and Build, a vision for building the church. We are discovering that we are discovering that God's image for his people and his church has not changed and will not change. We've been learning that God is using ordinary people to do great things for his glory. Last week, we left Nehemiah inspiring the Jewish people to do the work, to rebuild their city. And by beginning that, to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. What looked like an impossible task was now becoming something that could be done, could be accomplished. And now as we begin chapter 4, grumbling and some opposition from the outside comes. These outsiders were seeing what was going on and they didn't like what they were seeing. A community coming together and rising and up and building. A couple of weeks ago I said to to you in the morning service that I preached that I didn't think Nehemiah, his story was a fairy tale. His journey was was far from easy. And now in chapter 4, again, we see another example that his life was not easy. You know, I think many of us read the Bible and don't see the struggles that the people went through. We only see the end results. And I don't think what we see, what they truly faced. Their journey isn't often described in the detail. This makes me think that that makes us think that when we read the Bible and we read it in that way that God favors them so much more than he favors us because when we look at our lives, we just see that all the stuff that we are bombarded with that weigh us down. But let's look at Nehemiah's journey. He was a wine tester for the king. He was granted his freedom. He rallies the people. He rebuilds the wall. He is a local hero. I think we could imagine him riding off into the sunset on his beautiful, beautiful horse, Traeger. Now, who really rode Traeger? Good for you. If I had a treat, I'd throw it out to you. But I think we can imagine that when we read the story. Because so often we read the story at the beginning and we get to the end. We look at the Bible. And so we can imagine Nehemiah riding off into the sunset. But that's not how it is. The men and the women of the Bible didn't have it any easier than we do. They all faced struggle. The work in front of Nehemiah was daunting. The wall was almost two and a half miles in length. The average height was 39 feet. The thickness was over eight feet. This was no small project. And I wonder if he ever had times of discouragement. I wonder if he ever doubted that he could really finish the job. I wonder if he felt like, well, I just want to give up. And I wonder if there was times that I thought he thought to himself it would be so much easier to go back and work for the king. Do we ever have these feelings when life seems difficult for us? This morning, I think we can learn from Nehemiah's journey that he didn't give up. He believed that God was with him. And he trusted that God would give him everything he needed to finish the task. In 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 our passage, Sanballat is front and center opposing Nehemiah. He doesn't like what he sees. And he doesn't want to see God's work succeed. 
friends, when doing kingdom work, like rebuilding the wall, we can expect the enemy not to be happy. We know this is true for us today. God's church is facing opposition from every angle. But God allows his work to to endure opposition. The call for us is to rise up and build. But I believe it's also a call to persevere, as Nehemiah needed to persevere. Sanballat and his buddies are a part of this story, the the negative part. And we see them jeering the Jews. And when I think of jeering words like heckling or maybe maybe they're booing them or they're mocking them or they're taunting them. It's like if I was to come to your work and I so badly wanted to do it, but I didn't think you would get it until I got to this part. As Eric was reading, I wanted to kind of say, Eric, you're not reading that well. You know, you missed up Sam Bellet. As bad as I'm a reader, you didn't do very good. It's like I would come to your job And I'd stand there and I would say all the negative things, hoping that you would give up. And this is where we are at the beginning of chapter 4. The enemy is there. Nehemiah and the Jews are doing what they really felt God had put on their heart, to rebuild the wall. Nehemiah's journey is so compelling for us this morning because he deals with opposition so well. Nehemiah's situation didn't defeat him. It actually revealed how awesome God is. Nehemiah's faithfulness to the Lord is a good example for us as we face the challenges and battles that we see every day in our lives. It helps us to see that being faithful in the face of opposition requires honesty. Sembelic and his buddies, they knew their history. They knew this project was approved by the king. They knew a restored Jerusalem would lessen their influence. And they knew what this wall meant to the Jews. And because of these facts, they were going to do whatever it took to stop this project. Sembelic was very angry. And he used psychological warfare to try to get into their hands, heads. As one of my commentaries says, anger will often be the world's response to God's work because it challenges world's views and values that the world just can't agree with. In verses 1 and 2, Sambalak asks, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish in a day? Will they, will they revive the stones out of heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that Why these put-downs? I want you to just for a moment, when opposition has come your way and people have tried to defeat you and to stop you, what are some of the statements that they make to you? For Nehemiah and the Jews, these statements had a hint of truth. And so as we look at these statements, there is a hint of truth, and that's why it's very interesting that they do whatever they can. They try to bully. They bully the Jews, hoping that they will stop. Again, they knew the history. And why is it that they use hints of truth? Why is honesty so important for us? What are these feeble Jews doing? 
they were small in number. They probably felt powerless. Again, just think about it. Pastor Danny shared last week that the wall went from here all the way to the fort. That's a huge, huge project. It's daunting. They probably felt overwhelmed. Will they restore it for themselves? What they were trying to do was that the last efforts of a defeated foe, oh, let's give it a try. We'll see how far we can get, but the whole world is against us, so what's the use? Were they, def were they just a defeated foe, just trying one more thing? Will they sacrifice? Now here, I might be speaking out of tune or out of turn. Sambalat goes a little too far. He's not just picking on the Jews now. He's pointing his finger right at God because he's mocking a, sacri a sacred ritual. Will they finish in a day? This project was huge. Will they revive the stones of heaps of rubbish and burn once of that? The wall was in ruins. There wasn't much to work with. Even Tobiah, his buddy, because it's going so well, and, and you know it just like I know it, when you seem to get picked on or bullied, it's just not one, it's a bunch. So Tobiah jumps right in, and he says, oh, you're not kidding. If a fox ran up on this wall, it would, it would fall down. Sambach and Tobiah tried everything, even in these half-truths, to intimidate and distract the Jews. Their view of this project was clear. Give up. Give up now before you waste any more energy. But Nehemiah, Nehemiah knew a different narrative, a much more hopeful narrative. He trusted God, and his honest appraisal was much more hopeful. hopeful. Yes, they were small in number, but that didn't stop them. They had, they had come together as one, supporting and encouraging each other in the work. The project wasn't going to be accomplished in one day, but whoever said it needed to be finished in a day. The material wasn't that good, but most of the stones were usable. Nehemiah believed beyond any doubt that the Lord was with them, leading them, guiding them, and providing, the, providing for them the strength that they needed. Nehemiah saw and heard the ridicule, but that, that's not all he saw and believed. He saw the people rising at one, building as one, and he believed that God was with them in their work. God's will was being done even when they were being mocked and bullied. So we, like Nehemiah, need to, be, to become people of honest assessment. The challenge that confront today's churches are daunting. Others are mocking us all around us, but God is with us, and He is in, and He is in, He is, he is for us. Nehemiah learned that honest assessment coupled with prayer makes for great kingdom possibilities. And so, once again, Nehemiah turns to pray. Being faithful in the face of opposition requires prayer. I wish I could say this as I stand here in front of you, that I always do the right thing when I face conflict. When ridicule and, and, and criticism come my way, 
I want to do the right thing. I so badly want to be found faithful like Nehemiah here. Nehemiah, instead of lashing out with his own words of anger or justification, instead of fighting back and trying to prove his point that we're doing this for God and it's something bigger, instead, he goes to the one. The one who knows, knows the work and knows the situation. Nehemiah, instead, he prays. Sadly, at times, I find myself reacting in very poorly. Instead of reacting correctly, I react poorly. My first reaction to criticism is not often to pray. I become defensive. And I know some of you here know this because I have reacted this way towards you. But maybe as I look around this room this morning, maybe you feel like me at times. Your first reaction is either to react too strongly or not to respond at all and just give up. And you, like me, know that that's not the, way, that's not the right way. It's not the right way we want to react. We want to do the right thing. So we can learn from Nehemiah's response. Look at his prayer in verses 4 and 5. We are, dis we are despised people. Nehemiah knew, Nehemiah knows where the Jews stand in the sight of others. He didn't miss any words in that prayer. Turn back their taunt on their own heads. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out. This prayer shows us that Sambalak and his buddies really their opposition is really with God. And Nehemiah knew that. He had a sense about that because he believed that God was with him and he was going to follow through and finish the project. This prayer also expects God to do something about these hecklers, about these bullies. He wants them to turn the mocker, the mocking back on the mocker. What I love most about this prayer is, though, he prays exactly the way he's feeling. He, he leaves it exactly. He doesn't mix words. And I wish I so often could do that instead of acting defensively or justifying what I'm doing. I wish I could say to myself, you know what, just pray. And remember, God is with me. God wants the best for me. And then leave it in his hands. Because that's exactly what Nehemiah does. Look at verse uh, 6. So they built the wall, and the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Being bullied didn't stop the work from, from, from continuing. We need to learn to be honest about who we really are. Our weaknesses, our fears, our worries, and our insecurities. But like Nehemiah, we need to pray and to, and to seek God's will in, and, in our struggles. And then we need to leave it in His hands. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. It's an easy thing to say. It's an easy thing to pray. But to really give it over to God. Thy will be done. Sadly, though, look at the beginning of verses 7 and 8. The boys are back. The boys are back plotting against the Jews. Planning now, because they're even more frustrated, we're going to now come and fight, and we're going to cause confusion in the camp. Talk about anger. 
Talk about a bunch of people coming together, not willing to give up. But what does Nehemiah do again? He prays and responds. It's not like he just rolls over. He didn't roll over when they were mocking in the first two verses. He went to God and said, hey, this isn't fair. I don't like the way I'm being treated, God. Could you show up and do something? He does that. They go back to the work. That doesn't seem to you know, d- disappoint. Them. They're not going away. He responds by setting up a guard both day and night because he's going to protect the work. So again, we see that prayer is such a vital part because he knows that he can't do it on his own. He needs to pray. Now, Nehemiah wasn't going to let these bullies win. Nehemiah's honesty and his prayers allowed him to, to allowed him to inspire the people to keep going. He says at the end of our passage this morning, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, for your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When we are faced with opposition, we have to remember that same prayer. We have to remember that same inspiration that Nehemiah got up and saw the work and had to probably yell it out because they were way down there. Don't forget, remember, remember that God is with us. That God is awesome. Even last week when I sat down and made you repeat that thing back to me last week or two weeks ago, I kind of felt bad after. I thought, well, that was a bit awkward. But if we're not excited about what God is doing in our midst, like they were excited because they were seeing things happen, we have to be that same way. We have the same God today. In the face of whatever you are facing, God is with you. He wants the best for you. We need to remember that He is awesome. That's why we sing those songs. That's why we gather together on Sunday morning. That's why we gather together in community life groups or Bible studies or go out for coffee with one another because we should be excited. That should be all of our lives because God is with us. He is for us. And here in Nehemiah, he's reminded of that. And friends, you read those 14 verses, it's not a pretty picture. His life isn't fun. It's hard work. Could you imagine if we got together, our little group, and said, you know what, we're going to build something all the way from here to the fort. Holy mackerel, that would take a long time. But they got together as one and rise up and build because they knew that God was with them. And friends, he's with us today. He wants the best for us today. He encouraged the, he encouraged the people because he truly believed and he trusted that God was fully there for them. The psalmist also understood this as well. Psalm 119, 114. Boy, I'm excited today. But God is there. I'll leave my note. And if you don't believe that today, if you're here sitting here today and you're discouraged, and you're seeing this old man walking around, excited, inspiring. That's why I love this book of Nehemiah. It's so inspiring. And I love being inspired. But if you're sitting here today and you're struggling, 
you're facing something that just seems such like a huge mountain that you're discouraged and you're sitting there going, there's no way, Verla. There's no way. God's not with me. God's not there helping me out. Ask me or Pastor Danny to go for coffee with you. Because I want to walk beside you. I want to listen to your story. I want to encourage you. Because that's what Nehemiah is really doing for us today. A book that was written so many, so many years ago can inspire us today to remember that when struggle comes, when opposition comes, and opposition is coming in so many different forms. We don't have people, boo, Verlin, you're not doing very good. You're a terrible reader. No, we have opposition that for girls, they go on Snapchat or Facebook and they see that I don't look good enough. I'm not small enough. I don't measure up. We have men that are discouraged because they, they're struggling with thoughts and actions that they know that just aren't right. We have marriages that want to come together and they want to work out, but the world is just pouring and pouring in. And so, my friends, we are facing opposition. But this word that we have for today that we're looking at for these few weeks is for us. Nehemiah is for us. Psalm 119, 114, the psalmist understood our feelings as well. And he encourages us. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Friends, this is true for us today. God is with us. We can rise and build, and we can be all that he wants us to be personally and here at OAC. We need to hide in him. We need to trust his word, and we need to believe that he only wants the best for us, even in the face of opposition, even in the face of a comment, even in the face of something that's going on at work. He wants the best for us to fulfill our mission of to know Jesus Christ, to grow in Jesus Christ, and to go for Jesus Christ. We need each other. I thought Pastor Danny's illustration about a puzzle last week was just excellent. Different shapes and sizes put together to make a wonderful, wonderful picture. That's us here this morning. We're the pieces. And the wonderful thing about our pieces, not in a box, because we're going to have other pieces come and join us. And they're going to make exactly the picture that we need to be and so to come together and really fulfill our mission, our vision of to know Jesus Christ, to grow in Jesus Christ, to go for Jesus Christ, is our picture. Our prayer is that you would want to know Him more. That you would want to know Him in such a way that when you can look at a sermon just like this and go, Oof, I'm a bit defensive when that happens, but I want to do the right thing and I think I'm growing. Some other people might not think I'm growing. They might think, oh, Pastor Verlin, you've got a long ways to go in your defensiveness and your insecurities. You're right. I'm a work in progress. But I want to know him more. And I want to grow in him more. And that's what I hope you want to do. You just don't want to pick up your Bible for five minutes a day and just, but really grow in it. 
to understand when you are facing those troubles and you're facing those things in your life that he's there with you. And then you're going to be inspired. Maybe not to build a wall, but maybe to have a conversation with your neighbor or your coworker or somebody you go to school with because they're having not a great day and somehow you're going to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to pray and I'm just hoping you can open up an opportunity that I can share you with them. And as I share with you, I pray that the next time we can do it and all of a sudden just somehow because God is great and awesome, out of the words of their person comes out going, you know, I've had a bad day, or I'm struggling with this, or I'm facing this, or I've got this. And all of a sudden, a clear road right to drive in and say, you know what, I have those same things, but I have hope. I have trust in somebody that's bigger than me, who's with me and for me. We need each other. That's why the church isn't just one person. It's a bunch of people, a bunch of pieces, different shapes and different sizes, coming together to make a great picture. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul in Philippians gives us encouragement and guidance for living today as well as working together to rise up and build a vision for building his church. This passage will also help, I think, to move us, for, to move us towards our communion time. And I'll invite the elders and those that are going to be taking part with our special communion this morning to make their way to the front. But Philippians 2, 1 to 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from His love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection or sympathy, complete my, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full, uh, be full in accord and one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not at your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, you though he, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to grasp but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born, in the, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself, being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed, a name on, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under, earth, under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The Lord has given us practices that will strengthen our faith, demand our honesty, encourage our prayers, Teach us how to rise and build properly. And one of these is the communion table. Some might jeer at us because they don't understand. A crucified Savior? A broken Savior? Somebody that you can't see? You've got you to be kidding that I would believe in something like that. But for us, for us that have put our faith in Him, it's the power of the gospel. It reminds us what rising and building 
truly needs. Let's pray. Lord, this morning now as we come around your table, as we realize all that you've done for us, and as, as these elements are handed out to you, may we hold them in such a precious way that we would remember how great and awesome you are, how loving you are, that you would send your only son to die on the cross. And as we celebrate World Communion Day with brothers and sisters around the world, holding and remembering and taking together Although we may be small in number here, or maybe we're a big number, whatever the matter is, together we're a huge number. And Lord, this morning as we enjoy the First Corinthian passage read in different languages, may it remind us that how great and awesome you are. May it remind us that we're not alone. That, Lord, that you are with us and you want the very best for us. And so, Lord, even in this time, may you be honored and glorified in all that we do. Lord, thank you that you have given us this practice that we can remember the sacrifice that you gave. In your precious name, amen.